Welcome back. This is the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony, and I'm going to be joined by Conservative Joey. So happy that you're here joining us. If this is your first time, then thank you for being here. If, on the other hand, you are a dedicated and regular listener, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that you come and listen to each and every show. Hey, Joey, welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm happy you've been able to find time away from work and watching football all day and, you know, getting your beauty sleep, that kind of stuff, and it, to make some time for our big audience. Yeah, no problem. How's your fantasy team doing, by the way? Absolutely horrible. Both of them yeah. are just really bad. Do you have two wins yet? I don't even know. I, I, yeah. I might. I have to check. It's so bad, I don't even want to look. Yeah, no. It's like that every year for you. Uh, that might be true. It's, that's more true than not, which means it's pretty pathetic. All right, I guess most people aren't tuning in for our fantasy football commentary. We, we Maybe we'll come up with a whole separate podcast for that. But, yeah, we got to talk about all this Trump impeachment stuff and Ukraine and yeah. Biden. I mean, we got to get into it because this, Mike, this could be a really long podcast. And we're we're pretty late to some of this stuff. So a lot, some of what I'm going to cover is probably a little old by now, but we're just going to do it anyway. And you know what? I got one thing to say on that. It's I think it's good to be a little bit late. And here's why. is because I think all the news agencies love to come out and get, have a story, even if they have mm-hmm. the story completely wrong. And mm-hmm. they never go back and apologize, right? So waiting a little while for more information to come out, I think is better. I mean, it kind of makes you look better as a journalist, doesn't it? Yeah. I hate when they don't apologize when they're wrong, too. It really bugs me. Yeah. No, well, they don't, they don't feel like they need to. You know, they just come out, tell the lies, and they move on. So what do you got on this? Well, all right, so I'll start us out here. I, and this might be hopefully not too annoying of a monologue before I transition over to Joey, who's going to go through the transcript for us. Just don't sound sleepy. I, I will try my best not to <laughs> sound sleepy. I did not take any cough medicine tonight, so that's good. Okay, so anyway, for about three years, right, we got... Americans have been like under this constant barrage of like the speeches and the commentaries, the op-eds, you know, the opinion articles and the testimonies from the mainstream media, the politicians on the left and several, you know, right-wing, you know, neocons and former CIA assets that President Trump is somehow a Russian spy and guilty of treason or a puppet of Putin and that their savior, Robert Mueller, was going to get to the bottom of it and expose it all. And then there would be their platform right there for the impeachment of Trump and to rectify the situation of Hillary losing and having her election stolen from her by some foreign power who meddled in the 2016 election. And then Mueller dashed her hopes. I mean, he just like killed him. His report like just said, okay, there was no collusion. And the collusion delusion was gone. And the biggest conspiracy in U.S. history, probably, I guess, it, openly promoted by the Democrats and the mainstream press and the Trump critics, uh, it was like on a daily basis for almost three years, is just dead. I mean, it's just died. And so now all the anti-Trumpers are down and out, right? Their hopes completely dashed and destroyed over impeaching the president. And then a new opportunity arises, one of many in the past three years, 
where uh, they want to impeach him again. And this time, it's because Trump had a phone call with Ukraine primarily to investigate the corruption in the 2016 election, and then at the same time talked about uh, Hunter Biden. And I, to me, it's like I think Trump is obviously really pissed off about like the two or three years worth of this Russian collusion hoax and wants to find out what really happened, how it happened, and expose it. And I really, I don't blame him one bit. I mean, it was all lies, all made up. The, the CIA, Obama, and Hillary were all complicit, and probably Biden as well. And here's a fun fact that Ukraine was one of the largest foreign donors to the Hillary Clinton Foundation in to, up to 2014. Ten million bucks. So, or actually not one of the largest. They were the largest donor. Okay. And so another fun fact was that Ukraine was asked to look into Paul Manafort and dig up some dirt on him and other Trump people by Hillary slash DNC. I mean, this is, of course, after Obama, Hillary, John Brennan, the CIA, and Victoria Newland all orchestrated the coup in the Ukraine in 2014. So Ukraine, you know, they were at the time, they were very friendly towards the Obama administration. And then somehow you got Joe Biden's son, who's, you know, got kicked out of the Navy for cocaine. He got a $600,000 a year position on this Ukrainian natural gas company. And, and the, the company was started to be investigated for corruption. And then guess what? We got freaking you know, Uncle, you know, Sleepy Joe going out there and telling uh, Ukraine to fire that prosecutor looking into the corruption and to his son, or they're not getting a billion U.S. tax dollars, right? So there, I mean, it seems to be a lot of meddling going around in the background here. Some might even call it election tampering by Hillary and the DNC by asking the Ukraine to look into Manafort and then pay an ex-British agent to write the fake, you know, Steele dossier, and uh, which was about Trump, and then which was then used to get the Pfizer warrants to spy on the Trump campaign, and this all fostered the whole additional narrative of the uh, fake Russia collusion, and then you get to the whole phone call, right? Where I think most people might have read the transcript. I mean, I did. It was really easy. Uh, this was about. It seemed to me the 2016 election, mostly, right? Most of the call was on that. And then he kind of mentioned something about, you know, looking into Biden as well. And then the end, the prosecutor that was fired. Okay, so now I kind of want to turn it over to you and see what you have to say about the transcript and other stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, most of it was, you know, them congratulating and talking and kind of kissing up. It was uh, Zelensky kissing up to Trump. But yeah, actually, I know a lot of people who didn't read the transcript. You know, a lot of I have a lot of friends who didn't read it, and a lot of people at work who didn't even read it. And it really stinks because I think the transcript's pretty dang clear, you know, and, and it's all out there. And I think if you're just reading it, on you know, objectively, it, it's pretty makes Trump look pretty innocent. Okay, and the Democrats' narrative to begin with on impeachment. Tony, right, is that Trump kind of tried to strong arm Ukraine on the phone call to investigate Biden in order to receive military aid. Isn't that the, the charge? That is the charge, but didn't he give him the aid anyway? Yeah, he gave him the aid anyway. There's so much about this that, that's stupid impeachment. But let me go over the transcript for people who might not have had the time to read it, even though it was five pages. 
Okay, so I'm going to go over each exchange between Trump and Zelensky in my own sort of summed up, but not that summed up. You know, everything I say here is pretty much exactly what was said. So the transcript between Trump and Zelensky starts out with Trump congratulating him on his victory. So Trump says, congrats on your victory. You did a great job. Fantastic victory. Congratulations. And Zelensky says, you're right. It was a big win. We worked hard. I have to confess, I've learned a lot from you. A lot of your skills. It helped us win for the first time. You And the first time you called, it was when I won the presidential election. Now the second time, it's when I won the parliamentary election. So I ought to you know, run for more things so I can call you more often and we can talk on the phone more often. Trump says, ha-ha, you know, funny, good idea. Zelensky then says, well, to tell you the truth, we were working hard to drain the swamp. We brought in many new people and removed old politicians. You're a great teacher for us in that. And Trump says, well, it's very nice for you to say that. I will say we do a lot for Ukraine. We spend a lot of effort and a lot of time, much more than the European countries do. All they do is talk. You ought to really ask them about that. When I was talking to Angela Merkel, she would talk about Ukraine, but she doesn't do anything. A lot of these European countries are the same way. In my opinion, that's something you ought to look at. Yeah, but the U.S. is very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say that it's always reciprocal necessarily because there are a lot of things that are happening that are not good. But the U.S. has been very, very good to Ukraine. So that's the part where he's you know, trying to pump up how, how good the U.S. has been and how everyone else hasn't, hasn't been as good, right? And Zelensky replies, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, 100%. You know, you're 1,000% right. And I did talk to Merkel and met with her and others and told them that they're not doing as much as they need to be doing on things. And it turns out that the EU should be our biggest partner, logically, but the U.S. is way more gracious, and I'm very grateful to you for that. And then he says, because the U.S. is doing quite a lot for Ukraine, I'd also like you to thank, I'd also like to thank you for the support in the area of defense. We're ready to continue to cooperate for the next steps of support. We're almost ready to buy some more javelins from the U.S. for defense purposes. And this is so he's so he's saying, you know, you know, we're we're ready to go forward with support, um, and we'd like to buy some some javelins from the U.S. And this is where Adam Schiff, if maybe we could play it later, says that now Trump goes, I hear you, but I need you to do something for us first. You need to find dirt on our political opponent, you know, Biden. Make up as much dirt as you can, right? The Adam Schiff testimony to Congress. Right. This is the part where he, he goes on that narrative. So let me I'm going to read Trump's response to this because this is really the biggest part that's in play here. Trump says, I would like you to do a favor for us, though, because our country has been through a lot, and your Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say crowd strike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people the server. They say Ukraine has it. There are a lot of things that went on, the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would also like to have my attorney general call you and your people, and I would like you to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, the whole nonsense ended very poor, with a very poor performance by the man named Robert Mueller, an incompetent performance. But they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important that you do that if possible. So where Trump is getting sort of like hey, you know, I want you to do a favor for us because we've been really good. It's all about in the investigation of the DNC's hacked servers. It's all about the 2016 meddling. That's where he's saying, I, I want you to do, you know, a favor and investigate this stuff, right? That's that's, that, that's the timeline that the Democrats were lying about and Schiff was lying about when he said that Zelensky mentioned buying javelins and Trump went right into talking about Joe Biden. I need you to look into him. That's a lie. That's false. 
Trump went in, yeah, Trump went into, you know, can you investigate what happened in 2016 a little more? And he mentions the CrowdStrike company. And have you heard of what who CrowdStrike is? Or you remember who they are? I do, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. Well, they're they're the company that the DNC used to investigate their the server breach back then. You know, they're the ones that famously attributed the breach to two Russian groups. And there was a sort of right-wing kind of conspiracy theory floating around that CrowdStrike was involved in a cover-up and they were actually, you know, the founder was actually a, a Ukrainian. And I don't think it's true, but uh, Trump might believe it's true that the, the guy, Alpovich, whatever his name is, the CTO or something, he was a fellow at the Atlantic Council and they received like funding from some billionaire Ukrainian. And that same billionaire Ukrainian is also like a guy who donated to the Clinton Foundation. So this Trump is on this sort of conspiracy that CrowdStrike was uh, tampering and, and actually made it look like Russians, but it was really Ukrainians. So he's he's really wants them to look into that kind of stuff. Right. I, I wonder who paid CrowdStrike to look into the hacking. Yeah, well, I think it was the DNC, right? Yep. So uh, where was I in the in the testimony? So he, he's asking them to look into the DNC stuff and this CrowdStrike and the missing server that he has, a you know, he's on about. And Zelensky says... Yeah, it's, it's very important for me, too, everything you mentioned. As president, it's important for us to have good future cooperation, ready to start a new page on the cooperation in the U.S. I'm uh, moving out some bad people and bringing in some good, trustworthy people. And I want you to have – I want to have your trust and confidence. So I'll personally tell you that um, one of my assistants spoke with Giuliani recently, and he's hoping that Giuliani will be able to travel to the Ukraine. Just want to assure you that we are uh, friends here. And we surround ourselves with great people. And I guarantee you as president that the investigations into the matter will be done openly. I can assure you that. So that's one interesting thing, too, because if you listen to Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff, he goes, he says that Trump said to Ukraine, I want you to find dirt on Biden. And as a matter of fact, I want you to get in touch with Giuliani and get in and investigate Biden. It's actually Zelensky that brought up the communication with Giuliani first. Trump didn't even mention him. Because he's already been in communication with Giuliani, all about the corruption going on in in Ukraine in their previous regime, right? Yeah, I think Trump, as soon as he thought it was safe enough to start looking into what happened in 2016, he probably started the ball rolling a while ago. Right, that's what it seems like was going on. He wants he had Giuliani involved in that and Barr, and then the transcript's almost already done. But let me get to the part, of course, where he does mention Biden. So Trump says then, good, because I heard you had a good prosecutor who was very good and he was shut down. That's really unfair. A lot of people are talking about that and the way they shut down your good prosecutor. He had some very bad people involved. Giuliani, he's a highly respected you know, guy. I'll call him or I'll ask him to call you along with uh, General Barr, Attorney General Barr. If you could speak to him, that'd be great. The former ambassador from the U.S., the woman, she was bad news. Just wanted to let you know that. The other thing is there's a lot of talk about Biden's son that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Uh, Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you have a look into it, that'd be good. Sounds horrible to me. So that's where he mentions Biden, and if he could look into it. After he, he brings up the, I want you to really do me a favor about looking into the 2016 stuff. So I don't know your take on that part. I mean, maybe he shouldn't be asking him to do that, but the Democrats' charge was, and Schiff's charge when he testified, when he was talking to you know Congress, was that Trump was withholding aid 
in, unless they would investigate his political opponent. I mean, so far there's not any single shred of evidence to that. They, they haven't even talked about the, the aid being withheld, you know, and the Biden thing was just like a two-sentence thing. Right, yeah. I mean, to me, uh, to, I guess, find evidence of that whole quid pro quo in that conversation is you're kind of like, grasping right and you have to kind of make things up that weren't there kind of like the way shifted when he talked about it i forget it was probably at one of those house committee meetings they're basically accusing trump of uh, i guess using mafia tactics or something you know where you come out and you ask for something but you don't really say it explicitly so i mean that that's the whole same narrative the media has been throwing at trump for the past couple of years about not being openly racist, but, you know, dog whistling racism, that kind of stuff where, you know, only certain people can hear it and, and see it, mm-hmm. but not everybody, you know, it's, he doesn't make it explicit. I, I don't think they have much on that at all. I, I don't know legally uh, where it's going to go. It, it, it's, it just seems like they're really stretching with this one. Um, so, I don't know, their case seems kind of weak. And for them to go all out on this, I guess, weakness, I think is a political risk. And I, I said this before in the past on, on a couple of, I don't know how many, maybe one or two prior podcasts, this is, this is a risky try. And when it was tried, uh, I guess when the Republicans impeached Clinton, and they had every right to, which was fine, and they did impeach him in the House, but then the Senate didn't confirm it, it really hurt the Republicans, you know, in the follow-up elections after that. So that's why I think it's definitely risky. And I, I do kind of have another theory behind it. I don't want to get too far away from the, the phone call and the thoughts here. I don't know if this is an awkward transition, but I kind of happened to peek at the polls on, I think it was Friday or Saturday, where they now have almost basically Biden and Warren are virtually neck and neck on like real clear politics, mm. right? Mm. And so... You know, my second theory behind the impeachment was what if instead of this, you know, three pronged approach of hurting Trump and hurting Biden to pave the way for Warren, you know, as I said before, what if instead they're paving the path for Hillary to get back in? I mean, that's pretty interesting. Mm. I mean, so at this point, knowing what we know, are we not surprised? why those 33,000 Hillary emails went missing before the 2016 election? I mean, were they about Benghazi or about colluding with the DNC to destroy Bernie or, you know, to get the Steele dossier? Uh, Were they correspondence with Ukraine looking into Trump and the Trump people? I mean, they could be about all those things, right? I mean, it's amazing that you don't see that sort of, those sort of questions being asked out in the mainstream media. Yeah, no, it's all, all the Hillary stuff is just swept under the rug. So, Joey, what else you got in the transcript for us? Well, that was, that was pretty much it. You know, I didn't want to bore anybody with reading the full thing. But the, the last exchange after after Trump mentioned, you know, could you also maybe look into uh, Biden, I think is important because Zelensky, and I won't read this one, but Zelensky pretty much says, okay, I'll, I'll look into it, you know, trust me, that sounds really good, and um, I'm going to... I'm going to get to the bottom of that investigation you're talking about, especially the the company that you mentioned. You know, I want to clear that up. This investigation, you know, it's a it's a big deal to restore the honesty between us. 
So he he doesn't mention at all the Biden thing. He he when he talks about I'll look into that and we'll get we'll get it all under wraps. He's talking about the first thing that Trump asked him to do a favor on. So the Biden thing is just completely not brought up by Zelensky again for the rest of the phone call, and it's not brought up by Trump again for the rest of the phone call. So it's like it might as well have never even been said. They they're not talking about that anymore. They they wrap up talking about the the DNC investigation stuff. And they pretty much say you know they talk about their you know congratulations and again and i think you're gonna do really well okay goodbye have a good day and call me whenever you want if you want to come over to the u.s give me a call so uh that's how it wrapped up there was really nothing in there as far as pressuring the guy and the guy said himself that he didn't feel pressured at all yeah i don't really get where um i guess most of the politicians that are going after trump at this point are, are talking about pressure i mean i also don't understand like, when is it ever okay to look into corruption, right? Because there was obviously some corruption that went on. And is Trump now not allowed to look at it? Is, is he not allowed to ask a foreign leader to look into the corruption in his own country? I mean, I mean why, did, why is that off limits? Just because Biden is a candidate for the Democratic Party? I mean, so... When are we allowed to look at Hunter and Joe? No, I don't know. It's a, it's a good point because the first bit of it, no one would argue that that was wrong. Trump looking, Trump asking them to look into the the corruption that may have happened and the you know the real stuff that happened. No one would say that was wrong. Right, and, and if you think about it, I mean, obviously, nothing's going to happen under the Obama administration, right? They let this all happen, right? And then you end up with Trump. It was supposed to be Hillary. Now, if Hillary was president, none of this corruption would get looked into because it would have all enabled her to become president in the first place, right? Okay, so then there would be no investigation there. But now we have Trump. Trump made it past the Russia collusion hoax. He made it past Mueller. And now he wants to look into the corruption. Mm -hmm. So now, since Biden is running, apparently he's not allowed to look into the corruption. But then, you know, what happens if Biden wins the election next year? then it'll never get looked into. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like, what is there, some sort of weird rule that we don't know about? You, you're allowed to look into corruption except if it has to do with like a, a current running guy? It's not like he came out and asked Zelensky, hey, can you help me beat Biden? Can, can you dig up some dirt on Biden so that I can use it next year? What's becoming more clear is that that's not Trump's motivation in even asking about Biden. It, his motivation is all about you, you really Ukraine's former regime being corrupt and untrustworthy people down there. I and mean, that's where he's really wanted to get to the bottom of everything. Okay, so I was going to say, I think Trump's MO is basically is revenge, right? He, he's basically vindictive. And I don't blame him at all because they really screwed over his presidency for a couple of years. And you could see it's like when people are friendly towards Trump, He's very friendly and likable back towards them. But then when people cross him, I mean, he goes after them hard. And, and I was going to say another big thing, you know, that, that came out was the guy, Kurt Volker, his, his testimony to Congress. And I don't know if you listen to that or know who Kurt Volker is. Would you please tell our audience? Thank you. Yeah, well, Kurt Volker was the, the former U.S. special envoy to Ukraine. He was a U.S. special representative for Ukraine. So everything that was, was going on, all the dialogue between U.S. and Ukraine and the relationship, it's all under this guy, Kurt Volker, and his team. And he, so he was at Congress testifying, 
you know, what was really going on. And he said he was never aware that, you know, there was any effort to push Ukraine government to investigate Joe Biden. He didn't know anything about it and it wasn't going on. And he was stressing that the interactions between Giuliani and the Ukrainian officials were facilitated not to find dirt on Biden, but to ease concerns that the incoming Ukrainian government was not going to be able to handle, you know, the corruption and get the country straight. So there were there was concerns going on that Ukraine needed to clean up its its corrupt act, and but they wouldn't do it. So a uh, Volker released a bunch of text messages, sixty seven pages worth of text messages, and the guy Adam Schiff he only allowed a few of them to go public out of sixty seven pages. But uh, the the messages show a real time dialogue between him and the other Ukraine, uh, you know, officials, which none of the messages mention Biden's name even once. So Volker testified in May that he was starting to become concerned that there was a negative narrative about Ukraine, and it was fueled by some you know, departing prosecutor general. Uh, he was reaching, you know, all this negative stuff was reaching President Trump. And it is impeding the U.S. ability to support a new Ukraine government as like as much as he thought that we could support them. So he shared his concern with Ukrainian leadership. This is what he's telling Congress. You know, in an advisor to President Zelensky, he asked Volker to connect with Trump's personal lawyer, Giuliani. And Volker said he did so because he understood that the new Ukrainian leadership wanted to convince those people like Giuliani who believe the negative narrative about Ukraine's corruption. He didn't want to convince them that the, their times have changed under Zelensky and they're, and they're changing and they're, and they're worthy of U.S. support. So the, the kicker to his testimony that blows the Democrat narrative out of the water, in my opinion, is Volcker testified that he became aware that the U.S. held aid, their aid to Ukraine on July 18th, which is a whole month after the phone call took place. So he never even mentioned to the Ukraine, and this is a guy who, who coordinates things between them, he never mentioned to them that there was a delay on the aid until in August is when he mentioned it, when it became public. So this guy, the special envoy to Ukraine, didn't even know that the aid was being withheld until a month after that phone call took place. So how could it possibly be, be true what the Democrats are saying, that Trump was, was trying to give a quid pro quo here, that you know, you have to investigate Biden or you're not getting this aid. As well, the whole transcript I read, they, they had no idea that aid was even held during that phone call, during that transcript. So what kind of like, you know, strong arming was going on if, if the Ukrainian, if the president didn't even know the aid was being held? That's a really good point. Uh, I guess at this point, uh, we could chat a little bit about the whistleblower, right? Uh, I mean, this guy is, is an anti-Trump CIA agent. I mean, he's basically, he's a spy. He works for the CIA, the premier spy agency of the world, right? He's, he's pretty much nothing more than a spy and a snitch. And he, the first whistleblower, doesn't have firsthand knowledge of the phone call at all. It was just told about it. So it was all hearsay. Then, of course, now we have a second whistleblower. He was the CIA, he's another CIA agent, and he was the source for the first guy. So it's, it's all the same whistleblower allegation, right? Yeah, and this isn't the second whistleblower come out after the transcript came out. Oh, totally. And Wait, does does that make sense to you? And, and supposedly these guys all have a connection with John Brennan and the Obama administration. They're registered Democrats, and 
here's a, another big one. And they worked with Joe Biden with Joe Biden as vice president. So the whole whistleblower, you know, supposedly also met with Schiff's team several weeks before coming forward with this story. He had to make sure he had the story right and worked with some lawyers ahead of time and Schiff's team ahead of time. Right. And Schiff, before all this, said he had no, you know, knowledge of the whistleblower, which is, I'm sure he did because his own staff was coordinating with them weeks before, like you said. So just Schiff is really a big liar. Well, it's Shifty Schiff. So, Joey, I think what a lot of people aren't talking about is like the why behind all this. Like, why is this all happening to Trump? Now, it, it seems like Trump has failed to like demonstrate the usual deference to authority of this whole national security establishment. You know, that Hillary Clinton and all the other Washington, D.C. elites have really kind of bowed over and bent over like backwards for the CIA and the NSA. I mean, Trump's failure to bend the knee here has made him pretty much suspect from the very beginning, right? Because if you go way back, I mean, Trump was loved. He was on you know, tons of different talk shows, like all the time, and people on the left loved him. But then, after running for president, he became their enemy, of the, you know, kind of going against things that the Pentagon was involved in, the Iraq war, calling it a lie, and then the CIA, and the NSA, and the FBI. I mean, their chosen candidate, Hillary, lost, and they all thought she was going to become president. And so you got this war that's going on between Trump and the whole national security agency apparatus, right? Even from before when he got elected, and especially afterwards. So, uh, and then, if, I don't know if you remember, in like a remarkable kind of moment of honesty, you remember when Chuck Schumer said, uh, he was commenting on the war between you know Trump and basically the intelligence agencies. He said, let me tell you, you take on the intelligence community, and they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. You remember that part? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, so that was like several years ago. And nobody even asked any questions after that, right? I mean, that's kind of important. Why should the CIA and intelligence community get back at you? That's not their job. I mean, the, yeah. the job of the CIA is to serve the president of the United States, right? To bring him information that he needs to know what's going on overseas, uh, you know, so he can make, I guess, informed decisions on foreign policy issues. So, I mean, I guess another way it seems like of getting back at Trump is is all the smear tactics that the CIA and other intelligence agencies use in the mainstream press. And I mean, this is well known. I don't know if you've heard of like CIA Operation Mockingbird, right, where intelligence agencies are are known in the United States that they've been infiltrated. Manipula- and manipulating ever since World War II, you know, in, in, getting their dirty little fingers all throughout mainstream media. And so this, like, known phenomenon uh, has been used so many times in the past to influence American people in one direction or another. I mean, some of the worst atrocities come to mind, like the Vietnam War was, you know, the reason for us to get into that, the whole Gulf of Tonkin thing, that was a lie. The weapons of mass destruction and scam in Iraq and the Iraq invasion and ousting of Saddam Hussein, that was a lie. So, I mean, I honestly can't remember a single news station arguing against invading Iraq, right? You had a, like a handful of politicians that were against it, but that was it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, was, I wasn't that old, but I do remember it was like pretty universal. Right. I'm, I'm an old bastard, and I, I watched yeah. a lot of that coverage leading up to the Iraq War. And almost, I don't think any, almost nobody was against it. I mean, you had Ron Paul and a couple other politicians who were against it. And so I guess another way to get back at Trump is this whole idea of impeachment, which it seems like they've, they've tried several times. Okay, so before any of this collusion delusion was even mentioned, like way, way back, years ago, remember when President Eisenhower warned America in his, it was a 1961 farewell dress about the threat of the military-industrial complex. I mean, he used that term, mm. that, and how it posed a risk to our liberties and the democratic process. I mean, he was referring to this relationship between Congress and the Pentagon, the CIA, and the NSA. And I wanted to ask you this. Do you any idea where that the term conspiracy theorist comes from? No, I don't. So from what I could find, the, the term was popularized by the CIA in order to keep people from examining the Kennedy assassination too closely. So when people started pointing the finger at the CIA instead of Lee Harvey Oswald, people would get belittled and made fun of and called a conspiracy theorist. And mm -hmm. that's still going on today, every day in the media. All right, You see that happening all the time. And there's another interesting thing, I guess it's related somehow, is like, like the whole Kennedy assassination, right? Trump was announced early on that he was going to comply with the deadline for releasing the CIA's, you know, long secret records relating to the assassination. And at the last minute, Trump folded and he, you know, granted the CIA's request for continued secrecy. You know, I mean, why would he do that? I mean, I guess he, maybe he made a deal with them or... You know, maybe they have they had hooks on Trump and they, you know, twisted his arm or, you know, maybe he thought if he was kind of good to the CIA, they'd be good to him. I don't know. OK, so, I mean, I don't know where all this is going. I mean, nobody knows. It's, it's definitely it, it has been an interesting ride. And with Trump as president, I mean, you just get new stuff to talk about every day. I mean, it, that from that point of view, I think it's kind of fun and really fantastic, at least certainly for the podcasters who like to talk about politics like we do. It's definitely, like you said, the most entertaining, <laughs> the most entertaining president ever. Yeah, I, I have, I'm not that old. I haven't been alive forever, but he's the most entertaining president of my lifetime for sure. The whole thing feels like a soap opera to me. Like every every bit of news. That's why I had to take like a break from from all of this. It just it seems like we're we're in some soap opera. Every day is something like like dramatic happening. Dude, I'd call it I call it a spy novel. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, some of it is. So, all right, I I just gonna finish up here quickly because I think our audience is getting tired of us today. Um, in general, on impeachment, I, in my opinion, I mean, presidents and all politicians, you know, should be impeached if they fail to follow their oath of office and swear to, you know, when they swear to support and defend the Constitution. So that's, that's basically their oath of office. So, I mean, you could imply impeachment likely to almost every U.S. president, save a few, and probably 95% of politicians and Supreme Court justices because no one follows the Constitution anymore. I mean, the document is basically dead. Yeah, I'm still confused on what what are they even trying to impeach him about right now? Well, I don't know if they have a real legal case. 
they think they do, but to me, the whole thing is kind of moot anyway, because if they have the votes, they, it sounds like that they've already decided they're going to go down the path anyway. I, I, under, I understand you don't have to have like a technically legal case, right, to, to impeach, but what, what are they, what's the concept now? Because it's clear, clearly the whole thing about withholding aid unless he investigated Joe Biden is, is false, right? Do they know that? Are they, have they admitted that yet? Maybe I haven't been paying attention to the latest. No, no, they, they will never admit that. And That's what they're still trying to impeach him for? Well, that and they are mainly ask, t- talking about, uh, so there's two things, right? There's the whole quid pro quo that they're saying happened that never happened. It pretty clearly did not happen. Am I right? Correct. No, I agree with you. But again, their narrative is that Trump you know, implied the quid pro quo, right? He implied it as like a mafia boss would. Yeah, implied. Yeah, but that's wrong too. I mean, it's pretty clear that that's false. I mean, I don't, from the exact transcript from this this uh, guy Volker's testimony to Congress, from the fact that they didn't know they even had the aid withheld, to the fact that he didn't talk about Biden really. He talked about the the favor it had to do with with investigating 2016 stuff. I know, I know. I, it's uh, that's what they're going to use, and the other approach they're going to take is that uh, Trump is supposedly trying to meddle in the 2020 election by asking Ukraine to look into Biden, right? So that, that that's their two-pronged approach for trying the impeachment. And again, I, I really think it's going to hurt Joe Biden more than help him. And it may hurt Trump. I don't know for sure. Uh, we'll have to, I guess have to wait and see what happens. But I do think this was part of a calculated plan by the Democrats to either paved the way for Warren or possibly even Hillary. But, I don't, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens next year. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it does seem like it's all calculated just for who. Who is the question? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I guess I, the Democrats better hope that they made the right calculation here. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you all for listening to the Liberty on Fire podcast. Please do me two favors. Number one is to share the show. Remember that we want to continue to advance the message of individual liberty, and sharing and growing the show is one of the best ways to do that. The second favor is to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. A five-star rating is much appreciated. Also, please check out our website, libertyonfire.org. Thank you very much. And until next time, let's keep those fires of liberty burning bright. (laughs) 